Welcome and you're listening to Geekologist Radio 2.0, a division of the Ninja Pancakes family of podcasts. Geekologist Radio 2.0. This week we have two weeks worth of material to throw at the listeners. Sorry folks, last week, well, you know, I had to babysit a group of teenagers, like 15 of them at a concert. And uh, yeah, that was a little crazy. It sounds terrible. You know what though? I was going to actually, we're going to actually talk a little bit about that concert here in a second. It wasn't terrible at all. Uh, Awesome. It was actually turned into an amazing thing. But you know, hey, uh, Nick, you were uh, passed out drunk, it sounds like. Well, you said you're going to a concert, so I just doubled down on the alcohol. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Hey, you know, there is an expansion coming out to Sea of Thieves, a uh, bunch of downloadable content. So you're just getting your rum on, right? You know, I hope you guys. <laughs> yes. I hope you guys like uh, the the Sea of Thieves uh, eccentric episode that we put out uh, on Monday night or Monday morning. Uh, we're going to start doing this a little more often, where if we have stories just that we talk about instead of just recapping them each week uh we're gonna give you little mini episodes we're gonna put pop out stuff so you'll do you know get bonus stuff from us that is us you know that way if you want to listen to our talk about a particular game then you can if you want to hear new stuff we're gonna have new well we will keep it to the new stuff in the episodes that way you get what you want and then you know like i said you can uh Find us on, you know, Geekologist Radio, you know, all over the place. But Facebook is a good place <laughs> to get us, and our Discord is a good place to get us to talk to us. This week, though, first up, we're jumping into our top stories. A lot of top stories this week that are kind of hard-hitting. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with that. And there's positive top stories, and then there's negative top stories. Yeah, so our first story, we're going to... Let's go. We're going to open up with the positive, guys. You know, we yeah, let's do positive. Let's do positive. First. Let's make you feel good. What if I was to tell you that Joss Whedon is bringing back Buffy? I'm pretty I'm pretty excited about this. I'm more excited than I thought I would be actually because in the, you know, Buffy was my teenage years and I caught it here or there. I didn't watch it religiously like a lot of people did, but over the years I've probably watched every episode now. And it's one of my favorite series that, you know, growing it's up in high school. syndication. Well, yeah, because people yeah, still love this thing. Love it. Yeah. And then I actually watched Angel more than I watched Buffy. I loved Angel. Oh, yeah, same here. Yeah, I mean, I, I was stuck on that for years. Actually, my roommate in my, my mid-20s was still watching it, and we rewatched the whole thing together again. I mean, it was uh, it was a great uh, spinoff. It's probably one of the best spinoffs. Yeah, I, th- I think it's probably one of my favorite spinoffs of all time. I can't really think of another one that I, really... I can't argue with you about that at all. One of the things about this that I found really interesting, though, and I have I have some curiosity factors on how they're going to go with this, is that Sarah Michelle Geller, she's not... She's, as of right now, she doesn't have anything going on with it. Uh, now, this could change later on. They may have her come in as a character. What would you think if they brought Sarah Michelle Geller on and she was the big bad? I I really trust uh, Josh Whedon 
not to saturate anything too much. I trust his writing. I don't know if that would work, but I like the cameo idea of she of her coming in and being, you know, like somebody that's, uh, you know, I don't know. As the big baddie, okay, maybe it'll work. I don't know. I, I think I would like it, but I trust Josh to, to do the correct thing. Now, just a little bit of facts about this is that TV veteran Monica Owusa Breen, uh, Breen, sorry, my sister's name's Breen, is going to write the Buffy the Vampire Slayer reboot with creator Josh Whedon. The new re- reboot will see a black actress take on the lead role previously played by Shel Michelle Geller, like Damien Stockwell, or Krista Swanson in the 1992 film. Now, if anybody doesn't really know Owusa, She's written a lot of things with Josh Whedon and J.J. Abrams. She wrote in an alias, Lost, Fringe, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I mean, they've worked really closely together. So her kind of taking the reins of this with Josh Whedon kind of over the shoulder sounds like a good match for a reboot. I do like the fact that they're going to use a black actress for the lead character. You know, why not, you know, change it up? It's It's great. So this is where I come in and I have curiosities about this. Now, my curiosity factor is... Are they just going to go with, and I, and I say just not as a term as, as for it to mean like it's, it's just a it being cliche right now. Oh, Black Panther came out and it was great. Uh, and this like, but what I'm trying to say is that, are they going to go and just, are they just going to switch it up and have a black actress as the main, as, as the heroine, as Buffy, or are they going to take this a little bit? Are they going to take this a little bit in the direction of Black Panther and do a more of a cultural shift? Are we going to see? Is the school going to take place instead of like you know, ritzy you know California? Is it going to take place in more of like a, a you know a Atlanta, uh, some, Georgia? Yeah, or something like that. You yeah. know, is it going to take place inner city? Are we going to see yeah. you know? Uh, is the big bad going to come out kind of similar to Eddie Murphy's vampire in vampire in Brooklyn? You know, <laughs> what are we going to get here uh, from this? And I'm not, and I'm all for it. Like I'm excited about this. I'm excited about a different change up. I mean, yeah, I, I don't want it to be cliche though. I don't want it to be something where I don't want it to be, uh, you know, even though I laughed at them, I don't want this to turn into uh leprechaun, you know, you know, leprechaun in the hood. You know? Oh my God! I forgot all I, about that. I Damien. don't. I, that yeah, was terrible. And it, even, and it had a second. It had a second. <laughs> leprechaun goes leprechaun back to the hood too. <laughs> well, you some know? things are so terrible, like the the room. Sharknado, like Sharknado. Yeah, you know, or like Sharknado. Shark, perfect example. Sharknado. Exactly. When we are getting the final Sharknados coming out, and they just they did did the trailer. Are they so really the, the it, final yeah, one? The final. It's the final Sharknado. I think Sharknado six. <laughs> I hope it kills everybody. <laughs> And it the director. It goes to space. Hey, the director's awesome. He's, you know. Okay. I, I, I talk to him quite a bit on, on Twitter, so the director's great. We'll, we'll leave him out of it then. <laughs> Kill everybody else, please. Uh, I, the, cultural re, the culture that you're talking about or like an inner city reboot for Buffy, sure, why not? I, I'm in for anything. If anybody hasn't seen like the CW uh, superhero show Black Lightning on CW – that's a fantastic show, and it's not getting the ratings it deserves. It's a really no, it's good. Not. It's a really good superhero uh, uh, TV series. So I think sometimes it doesn't click with fans when you change everything up. So it might just be small changes. But again, I trust Josh Whedon, Monica, uh, uh, who has written a lot of things for J.J. Abrams, Josh Whedon. I trust her too. Obviously, a lot of the shows that she's written on. I know you like Alias. I like Lost. Fringe is great. Shield. I mean. 
I don't see how we can go wrong. It seems like an it seems like an all star writing and directing team here, or, yeah. or producing team. I mean, not directing. Now, touching back a little bit on Black Lightning, I like Black Black Lightning way 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 more than I like uh, than I like Cage. Oh, I I don't disagree with you. I think it's better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, what I've it, seen of Black Lightning, uh, I think I'm six episodes in. I've kind of watched it periodically. I, it's definitely better, and I'm I'm finished with Luke Cage season one. I got like I'm almost done with season two. I got like ten minutes left in the final episode. Uh, yeah, I think I'm with you on that. I think I like Black Lightning better, man. I don't know. Luke Cage season two just has not. It's been really hard for me to get through it. It's really like I felt like I'm forcing myself to watch it, and I don't I don't like that. And you know, especially like if I'm watching a superhero movie of any kind, I want to be I want I want to feel like I want to see it. That's why I. I take breaks from Agents of Shield, and I'm very and, and like I used to watch it. The first two seasons, I watched every episode. I was like, "Yes, love this." It's connected to the movies. Then I was like, "Oh man, like I like it, but it's not my go-to. I have other things that I go to." I'll tell you what, man. Watching Luke Cage season two, the last three weeks, there's a show on Netflix called Sugar Rush. It's a baking competition show. Yep, where I love takes... that show. I couldn't stop watching it, man. I know. I fell it's in awesome. love with it. And that's the reason why I'm not finished with Luke Cage because I was like, oh, yeah, I'll get to Luke Cage. This is really fascinating here. Who's going to win this bake off? I don't know why. But it, it exactly like you're saying, I just wanted to keep hitting play. And something smart that the Sugar Rush host does at the end of the show, he says at the end of the episode, he goes, the next one's a few seconds away. And you're like, all right, it's a few seconds away. And then you just start watching it again. But, anyways, yeah, you're correct on that, your point that. It kind of, that show just kind of rolled for me, so I watched all the episode eight episodes of Sugar Rush, and Luke Cage really kind of dragged on for me. So I was like, "Yeah, I gotta finish this, man." And you're right; you don't want to feel that way when you're watching something. No, it's like if you watch Punisher, like I was glued. I was glued. It's like, yeah, I ha- I have to watch this. I love this character. Uh, you know, I this is, you know, this is awesome. Like I, this is everything I wanted it to be, and it wasn't what happened when I was watching, when I was watching, you know, the, what I'm trying to watch Luke Cage. It's like, it's just not there for me. Yeah. Season uh, one of Jessica Jones, sorry, Jessica Jones season one. I was like, Whoa, this is, I mean, Kilgrave, this is incredible. I couldn't have rolled through that any faster. I think I watched like five episodes in one day. I didn't do anything else. Fa- fastest I've watched through a series, uh, for me, uh, like if I was to talk about binging, fastest series I've binged uh, was the, I believe it's called the the First Kingdom or the Last Kingdom. Oh, Last on Kingdom. Netflix. Yeah, the so Last good, man. Yeah, we're sitting in limbo waiting for season three. I it's know. Already, it's already been done. Well, it's, it's in BBC. Done. It takes time for it to hit I Netflix. I know. We're waiting for it to get to us. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the Viking Vikings, which I've talked about before. On yes, here. yes, yes. Uh, but I think Last Kingdom is a much better show. <laughs> Yeah, same here. It's like, so much better, Uthred, man. Uhtred is my... I love Uhtred. Like, that is yeah, such know, a great thing. I know. And, I mean... and Now you're so, making me Jones for season three now, buddy. <laughs> I know, right? Well, that's kind of what we do. You know, we come on here, we tell we tell people what we like, why we like it, and why you should try to like it. Now, the, we're going to go over to something now that's not... Uh, it's depressing. <sighs> yes. I, it's it's curious to see how we talk a lot about Disney now because Disney is not afraid to flex its muscles anymore. Uh, you know they stopped. Uh, that you heard how I care how I felt about them stopping the Star Wars, uh, the Star Wars side films and whatnot. And you know I they may have redeemed themselves a little bit at this Comic Con, 
But something else just came out today is that James Gunn the is no longer he's fired. He's no longer connected to to Guardians of the Galaxy or uh, Marvel and period. Or Marvel and yeah, Marvel at all. Yeah, so this is I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2 are two of my favorite Marvel movies. They're right up there with Thor Ragnarok. I like the fun Marvel movies where it's rock and roll, it's action, it's comedy. And the whole way through, you're like, wow, did I just stay here for three hours? I love those. I love those Mm -hmm. flowing Marvel movies. And James Gunn was the perfect director for this ensemble cast and put them together. And he came out with something so beautiful in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1. You're like, whoa, what is this amazing thing? And then Volume 2 followed up. Didn't hit as hard for me, but it was still a fantastic movie. I'm a little depressed by this. I love James Gunn, man. Now, James Gunn did say this. My words of, of nearly a decade ago were at the time totally failed and unfortunate efforts to be proactive. Gunn, who deleted his Twitter account today, uh, he said, I have regretted them for many years, not just because they're stupid, not, uh, not at all funny, wildly insensitive, and certainly not provocative, like I hope, but also because they don't reflect the person I am today or I've been for a long time. Now, when Disney hired James Gunn, these tweets have already been out there. Mm-hmm. He has already apologized before he even directed Guardians of the Galaxy 1. He had said that he made a mistake a long time ago. Now, this is the part that I don't like, uh, Jeremy, is that or Damien. <laughs> this is the part that I don't like, is that Disney knew before they hired him this stuff. They do their research. They know what's going yeah, on. Yeah. He had apologized for him. And then people pull them back up from the ground, and because of the Me Too movement, which I'm all for, they start shoving these down James Gunn's throat when he just said them. He didn't really do anything to anybody. It's just words. You know, words don't hurt, but they do. And then now White Knights on social media got a great director fired. It, it's 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 a little frustrating. I don't I don't like what he had to say, though. I mean, I don't like his tweets. I think they're very out of place. It goes a little deeper than that, that it wasn't White Knights per se that, that that caused this. What happened was is he's very he's he's has no he's unhinged when it comes to He has his, no filter. Yeah, okay. That's actually perfect. He has no filter when it comes to his political standpoints. That's true, yeah. And what happened was he pissed off enough people yeah. on the opposite side and they're the ones that came up. They weren't white knighting. They just knew that, oh, well he said stuff similar to the person who he's critiquing. So uh, how about we just pull these up on him so he's pulling up all the stuff on on these political people. But see, the political side is still white knighting for their own gain. True, yeah, okay. They're trying to hurt a guy's personal life and fans of, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy because they don't like his political stance. This is a free country. You should be able to say whatever you want about the president or a senator or the governor of your state. You should be able to say, hey, I'm a Democrat, I'm a liberal, I'm a Republican. That stuff should not matter or should not affect you so much because we all know the United States as a whole is very divided right now. So oh, yeah. for him to come out on one side or the other, I, I'm, you know, we're not going to get into that, but for him to come out on one side or the other, the other side shouldn't get all hurt about it and then like you know try to destroy this. Ah, it's just frustrating. This is what Disney yeah. had to say, though, Damien. It says, The offensive attitude and statements discovered on James's Twitter feed are indefensible and inconsistent with our studio's values, and we have severed our business relationship with them. And that's Walt Disney's, sorry, Walt Disney Studios chairman, Alan Horn. That's unfortunate. I mean, I understand where Disney's is coming from. You know, they're going to be buying Fox here soon. 
that's going to be going down. They're going to be owning what, like three fourths of the the media. They have to protect yeah, their brand. Yeah, there's a lot more also with that. That's actually Disney's doing some interesting things with their purchase of Fox. We'll get into that a little later. Yeah, so I mean, I understand them having to protect their their yeah their brand, it's, Disney brand. You have to protect Mickey Mouse. It's just now, unfortunate. I feel I feel bad for James because he had apologized before for him. Uh, it seemed like people have moved on, and for you know. People that attack them over political stance, it's a little, yeah. It's so sad. this is where I, this is where I'm at. I stand on this is is now you know because I, I like James Gunn's stuff, like you know mm-hmm. Slither and all that stuff. His earlier stuff, Slither's good. I, yeah. Now, do you does this make you worry for Volume Three? Like, is do you think that this what's going to happen to this is going to be is this going to be solo? Is what I'm kind of getting at because. You know, solo. It had, you know, it had two directors that were taking it one direction, and then uh, a director that's an Academy Award winner steps in. Ron Howard knows what he's doing. Made a film that I really, really loved, but maybe he wasn't able to. It, I mean, even Joss Whedon, he stepped in and tried to fix, you know, CG mouth, and it didn't really help. Nothing really. He wasn't able to save that. So can't you, save Superman's did, lip. No. So what? What do we think? Does this seem like it's going to be something that could actually cause a? Do you think that this could slow down the behemoth that is Marvel? I, I don't think so, man. Look at how okay. many directors have directed different Marvel movies this time. Okay. Can't All they? Right. I mean, if you, me, and you are both going to talk about Ant Man and the Wasp later on. Yeah. Oh god. But that was a funny action comedy movie, and it was good. You could easily take that director and say, "Hey, you you took this ensemble cast. Can you do this ensemble cast?" Or the Russo brothers. I I don't. You know, they've directed the Avengers. They've took that. You know, so. Or what if you were to take? Yeah, uh, you you were to take as a I, I as to to keep to I I can't think of his how to pronounce his name, but the director of Thor Ragnarok. Uh, Excuse me. Yeah, I can't. Pro- that's a really hard name to pronounce. I don't. Yeah, I'm not blaming you for mean, that, but yeah, that's uh. See right there. I just think they have a. They do have a stable of directors stable, that, are, exactly that are, like, yeah. are very well, you know, they're, they're, they're proven. So. I just feel bad for James. What he said was dumb, and he admitted yeah. that it was dumb, and he apologized for his dumb, and then he still gets in trouble for being dumb. People are dumb sometimes, you know, and he was young and dumb. Well, next, yeah. I don't know how young he was, sorry. <laughs> next, we're going to get into game chat. And you know it's it's kind of cool. So today they did something. Uh, they did they put out a video. Uh, it was the one of the main guys over from PUBG Blue Hole. I can't think of his name off the top of my head because I I just Blue Hole. The, some of the they have various PR people that show up, and with some of the stuff that they've been doing with trying to sue different companies, I kind of it kind of fell off for me. I'm not gonna lie. They but uh, the person they dropped that suit by the way. Yeah, yeah. But the the person who did was there. That's always awesome. Aaron Greenberg, I love you, man. Uh, he's such a energetic, awesome person to see in front of the camera. And he was, you know, he represents Xbox. They went down to West Coast Customs and had a PUBG van. Custom PUBG man, van created, and there are driving to Comic Con, and people will be able to sit in that. I hope it's air conditioned and oh, play. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, <laughs> and play PUBG. Now it's also with this launch today. Launched the summer, which is it's a late. It's halfway through summer, but <laughs> I, I mean, 
but it's still, you know, summer kind of technically goes in through September. So they today was the official launch of Xbox or PUBG Summer of Xbox. Yes, is what is what they did. That's today. what they're calling and, it. Yes. Yeah, and so I was like, oh, okay, I got to jump into some PUBG. I'm gonna jump in see how how it works, and I had some fun today. Good. And uh, I mean, th- they put out a patch. Yes. And you, you, th- I'm I'm throwing this at you now because you, where I really enjoy PUBG when it works, so I'm back to smiling. You are on another level with PUBG. I'm obsessed. I'm a yeah. little bit too obsessed, and to the I've fo- seen pictures. I have seen pictures. Yeah, I'm a little bit too obsessed. Where I'm playing this game in the morning with the UK guys. Shout out to Jammy. Uh, I was playing with this morning because of the time difference and my work schedule. It works really well for me to play with the boys from across the pond. But today, I mean, two number. I finished number two twice, which hurts. But that's all we're gonna get into. We're gonna get into the Xbox patch now. What they have done for us on Xbox is finally, finally PUBG Blue Hole came out with a patch that has fixed the rubber banding, the play doing, the uh, uh, the frame rate, and when you're dropping and you just can't see a building and you land in the middle of nowhere and you die because you're stuck between two floors. I can't tell you how many times I've thrown a grenade at my own teammate just to blow him up just for the hell of it because he's stuck. But I play on an Xbox One X, so I really haven't had the issues that the OG Xbox or the Xbox S has had. Now, with the new update, it has enhanced that performance. A lot of guys that play with do play on the Xbox S. I know you do too sometimes, Damien. And they are they are so excited. They're ecstatic about the performance ish, uh, difference now. So Blue Hole finally came out with a huge update and not only did they give us new attachments, new scopes, new vehicle, new guns, they fixed their performance. So nobody really has a complaint right now for Xbox. It, it, does it work perfectly? No. Miramar is still a little Play-Doh-y. Aaron Gall works a lot better. We don't have Sandhawk on Xbox yet. So, so far so good. Uh, I'm about three days into the new patch and I'm really loving it. Now, I'm just going to get into a, a couple small. I'll go through this fast, Damien. A couple small things. The weapons damage balance. Now, the weapons, I know you would know this, but like the... The 9mm gun, the handgun that usually you find when you first kind of land, it's like the 9mm pistol, it's been ramped up. The 1911 has been ramped up. All the pistols have been ramped up to make them more usable. The 45 is now 55 hit points. Mm-hmm. That's really strong, man. And then this is what they did. They nerfed the AK, they nerfed the M4, nerfed the SCAR, and the AUG. AKM and Groza stay the same. Now, they did that, just nerfed them a little bit, just to take away some of that fully auto close range uh, power because you will get melted in a second by one of those guns and it's really frustrating you know mm-hmm. but on the suck on the back side of this if they nerfed the ars a little bit what did they lift up smgs yes baby so the ump is lifted up the micro uzi and the vector thank you god because i'm a smg guy same here i'm an i i am too I was loaded up, man, and I was all excited. I had gotten a couple kills. I was like, yeah, I'm having fun again. Yeah, I'm running up a hill. I had gotten, I had killed a person, jumped into the little buggy, took off up the hill. I'm like, yes, this is awesome. I'm in the center. Of, I was like in the center of the map. The map was closing up. I was ready, I was like number 14. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to hide in this bush. And I get out of the vehicle, start running, and like just one quick shot. It was just one shot. Bam. And my, my guy just runs, 
and just looks like he was doing the silly salmon, just flops <laughs> to the ground. And I'm like, oh. Is it like the YouTube videos when a police officer tases somebody? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's just, it? it is like that. Yeah, yeah. Yep, it is just like that. And I, I've been tased. It, I don't. I didn't fall though. But I saw the video. Uh, you're you're yeah. a strong man. <laughs> now you might have uh, been shot by one of the new ramped up sniper rifles because I, they have. That's what I was just gonna say. I which think one it was, was it? Be, it was the I believe it was the hunting rifle. Is the one without the scope? Oh, so it was the uh, the Winchester. Uh, uh, not the Winchester. I don't know. Oh, Car ninety eight. Car ninety eight. That's that's what I got. Shot that's by. a very strong. That's always been a very strong sniper rifle. And yeah, it's pretty. And much I only had a level one. I only had a level one helmet on. That will not. And it was you. a headshot. That will yeah, kill it was you. A headshot. Yeah. yeah. So so one gun they added into, and it's only Miramar, is the SLR. Now I did pick up the SLR the other day and fully loaded. I got the cheek pad on it. The all the works. Very nice gun. Uh, two shots kill on two headshots on a level two helmet. Very beautiful. And the Mini-14 got ramped up a, a little bit. The hit points got ramped up. That's a terrible gun. They should just take it out of the game. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm terrible at it. VSS got ramped up. So that's the guns. I mean, they increased that. They added uh, uh, more adjustments for the uh, SMGs, the ARs. They added thumb grips. Three-time scopes are now on Xbox One. Six-time scopes are now on Xbox One. And the previous before, those were only on the PC. Very good scopes. Six times scopes is amazing. I love it to death. One big thing they have changed though is that level three helmets, you cannot find them randomly anymore. They're only care packages only. Now, the reason for this is because as you go through the game and you get into the top 10, top five, it is really difficult to get a headshot because at that point you have killed people and took in their loot. And a lot of times you'll end up with a level three helmet and a level three vest. So then at that end, that end zone, if you're trying to snipe somebody, especially on Miramar, it, it's it's really difficult when somebody has a level 3 helmet. You can get two great headshots, and they can still lay down and, and bandage back up again. So they took that away, which I'm, I'm actually excited for. Because they took that away, what they did add into the environment is adrenaline syring syringes. I don't know if you've had one of these before. I have not yet. Yeah, so you can find them laying on the ground. They weigh more in your bag now. But when you shoot it up, it gives you a complete full adrenaline so you can run and it heals you up quicker. So it's a great thing to have at the end. So they kind of took away one thing, but they gave you something to kind of balance it out. Okay. So really good update. Grenades weigh a little bit more. They take more damage, though. The frag grenades. I, I, I'm just really excited for this. They also added the the Mirando and Miramar, which is like a classic GTO kind of looking car. It's really loud, but it goes really fast down the highway. It's terrible okay. for Miramar because of the terrain, so you can only drive it on the road, basically. But overall, that's all I'm going to say about it. I'm really excited for the the PUBG update. A lot of great things. Go look at their uh, their website and all the balances they put in. That way you can balance yourself out and uh, maybe change up the way you play. I've definitely changed up the way I play now. I'm more of a submachine gun guy now. So, uh, yeah, PUBG new update. Really solid, man. Very very cool. Yeah, or this I noticed something about our game chat. Uh, it's very very th this week our game chat mainly because like I said of the of the special uh, episode that we put out for Sea of Thieves prior to this is that this week's episode is brought to you by Battle Royale pretty much. <laughs> uh, one of the next things I'm going to talk about is the Nintendo Switch Pro Controller. And there's a little bit more that goes into us. Why would that be considered Battle Royale? Because uh, they just put a patch out for the Switch for motion controls. 
Ooh. And you can do this with you can use this with the uh, you know with any format that you use with to play uh, Fortnite with. But the thing is, if you play Fortnite, at first it was really really buggy, and then they put a patch out that patched that. And <laughs> so now, if you play Splatoon two, and one of the reasons I got so I I've been talking about the Power A controllers. You can't beat the price on them or anything. If you pay thirty bucks, you can get ones that allow you to change up the D pad and the sticks. But I wound up picking up the, well, luckily for me, my Walmart had it mispriced for 40 bucks. Oh, that's the Nintendo Switch Pro Controller. Yeah, the Nintendo Switch Pro Controller. And it looks pretty. Sorry, I, listeners, I you can't say, see it. I dare say that this controller, I like this controller better than the Xbox One controller. Uh, show me the front side of it again. I know this is bad for a podcast, but... Yeah, that's pretty thin, man. I actually so, haven't held one of those in my hands yet. Well, it's actually it's actually thicker. Is it? Than the, well, if you look at it, it is actually... Well, no, it's about it's the same thickness, so it's a rechargeable battery in there. Yeah, but you got and your paddles on the back of that, so it makes yeah. it look a little bit bigger. Yeah. So it's a little, it's a, it's a little bit thicker than the actual uh, Xbox One controller. But what's interesting with it is it's also smaller so it's it's bigger and smaller at the same time the the handle grips are a little smaller they're more the where the the white they're white on the xbox one they're a little wider these ones are a little bit smaller and they so they feel more kind of like a uh more closely to a nintendo 64 controllers side grips okay and so this feels like they mix the mix the Nintendo 64 with an Xbox one controller and kind of with my history of gaming, that's like the best of both worlds right there. Uh, mixing that without having the weird little stick in the center. But, um, <laughs> yeah, what was up that, with that? <laughs> I don't know, but the motion controls with this thing are so spot on. And what I found that I really, really like is they, they have this rubber gripping around, around the edges of the, of the, uh, controller. And it, when you, it's got these little knurls in it. So when you perspirate from your hands, because you do when you game, especially yep. when you're playing uh, anything that you're actually being competitive in, it actually causes it to be kind of not sticky, but kind of sticky. Like it adheres. It's like a paintball grip. It adheres to your hand more, so it's harder to like move it. Or, you know, to, to slide lose around. Grip on it. Yeah, and it feels very uh, military. Uh, it feels like military grade, and I just. Uh, I mean, the prices right now, uh, they're 70 bucks in most stores, but if you go to Walmart, Walmart did knock the price down to the same price as a, to the same price as an, uh, Xbox controller. They're 60 bucks now. So it, it's makes it a little bit more, a little bit more tolerable, uh, for price. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and, but that's the other thing is the charge on this controller. Like on my Joy Cons, my Joy Cons charge goes down. You know, if I'm playing for a long day, I have to charge them back up. The charge on this controller lasts a very, very long time. I haven't had to recharge it yet. Nice. So at this point, I, I'm going to take just a wild whim here and saying that's your favorite controller to play on the Nintendo Switch now. Right now, my favorite controller to play on the Nintendo Switch is this controller because of the motion controls. And that's where I wanted to get into on here. And I will also talk about something that you can that we will put in a link in the show notes to that you can watch a video on that actually allows you to use other controllers with motion control. Awesome, this, yeah. Uh, 
because we want to we want to give you all the options you know like i said the power a controller still is a great controller i like it's light you know it's light but it's sturdy yeah and i fully recommend that for anybody who's not going with motion controls but if you want that if you want that extra edge that once you learn how to use it it will give you the closest thing that you could have in a console to having to having a keyboard a mouse and keyboard play Ooh. and so in splatoon the motion controls are great well in Fortnite now with the most recent patch, the motion controls feel just like that. So if I want to shoot at someone and they're building up along me or I'm trying to build up high, all I got to do is wherever my hands rested and that's where that my, my normal zone is, I just move my, my, my controller up and then I'm aiming up. I move it to the side and I'm moving to the... It will go whatever angle I move it with. And I just for my view, I still use the sticks. But up and down, it's just of slight motion with my hand. And does that help you in like, say if you're playing Fortnite or Splatoon two for a quicker, you know, Oh, I, people, I, my score, my score, like, so the, the thing that it sucks with that, they added motion control to Fortnite now is that, so I played, I played a couple games, you know, with your, that I did cross platform play with uh, my nephew, your son. And I noticed that I was playing mostly against people that were, on switch and they weren't as reactive as i was so i was getting kills left and right i was like oh i'm gonna join him all the time you know this is great (laughs) well now that they have the motion controls people are really really quick on there if you can tell if someone's using the motion controls if they're using the motion controls they're being able to build like they're almost like with their on pc now and so the motion controls with the switch the way that they're doing it Switch, what I've found with the motion controls is that it's like a hybrid between kind of the VR controls, if you have a VR uh, headset and the controls that they have for it. Switch is kind of pioneering that tech, but you're instead you're in front of a TV or okay. or on your, on your console. So Fortnite's patch with Switch first came off really buggy. Second patch to update it is doing pretty good right now. And I strongly recommend the, like, if you're going for motion controls, I rec- I can't recommend the official Switch controller uh, or Pro controller enough. Otherwise, if you're just looking for that controller play, gameplay, totally go with a Power A controller because it's half the cost, half the price. 30 bucks or 25 or 30 bucks. Tw- 25 or 35, depending on what you go with. Yeah. And there are a ton yeah there is a ton of skins for those things man yeah because yeah, like i mean they have the the chrome series that they just came out with are spot on and it makes me want to get one i have the splatoon 2 one and i use that for when my kids play the game with me and whatnot uh other things that i wanted to talk about within that before is that there is an attachment you can get that you update it's very similar to like if you were to have you plug it into your computer and you do an up like like if you have the uh astro uh tr you know amp and you plug it in download well this thing plugs in and it takes the place it it becomes it's an actual charge pack for the battery so it's now it gives you a charging battery and then it plugs into the micro usb and clicks in there and it gives you the ability to play either in a uh they have make it a model for playstation or they make a model for uh for the xbox one and it allows you to use an xbox controller like i could use and remap my scuff elite and play on my nintendo switch with it and have full motion control that's 
I, I like the motion control idea. Uh, I don't really play Fortnite on there. I have, but I don't know if it would. I don't know if I would need motion control for like Zelda or Mario. What do you, would you think that would affect? A lot help? of people. A lot of people like using motion control on Zelda for really? aiming the arrows. Okay, and stuff cool. Like that. It's it's a, oh it's for a the faster, arrow. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot faster for games that come out like that. It's a lot faster. And any shooter that's going to be out. So if you're thinking about Metroid, motion cool. controls are going to definitely be a way to go. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Because once you once you figure them out, the the only thing pro- problem is is that the a, they move their buttons around so they wouldn't get hit with copyright. So like the A button is uh where I'm used to hitting the B button. Oh, so it <laughs> takes a second to remember. Okay, it takes a second to remember. You recalibrate that. your hands. But the next up that I wanted to talk about is Vigor. The Vigor beta is out right now. So this game is both good and I feel bad for it at the same time. Now this is an Xbox One beta right now. So how do you access the beta for this game? You have to be if a- you are in. So if you right now, it's a beta access for people who are in the Insider program. You go to Insider Hub and you go into it. and You can click, and this is the same way you get the PUBG test server stuff like that. You go and click on the game. You download it. The game looks like a updated graphic, a graphical version of PUBG. Yeah, like yeah the, it does. And one of the things that I, I'm a huge, like, I love water. Like, I need to look up what that term is because there's, there's got to be a clinical term for how much I love water in, <laughs> in games. But that's always my first go-to. So, obviously, Sea of Thieves is, like, you know, just awe-inspiring. There's no me. better water than Sea of Thieves. Th- there isn't. Yeah. But this game is interesting because I feel like I, what I worry about is I feel bad for this studio because I feel like they're going to rush it out now. Because it's too similar to multiple games that are coming out that are gonna just shadow it. Okay. So I feel that they're gonna they need that they I feel like they have to feel like they gotta rush it out so they can try to make some money. And these Uh, are the developers from Daisy. Yeah. And what vigor is is you have a base, and you 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 bring back you bring back stuff to your base. Now, you go into different parts of the map. You teleport into the map. It's not a big open world, so it's more of an enclosed play space, usually typically with four or five exit points. And what keeps you makes you move out of the map, usually map, uh, map rounds last around 9 to 15 minutes tops, typically, because there is uh, you never know when it's going to start coming through, but there is a radiation storm. And it's you, it's one to eight players that load up into these map points. And you don't know if you're going to run into them or whatnot. And if you run into them, typically right now, everybody kills everybody. They run into it. If you can. This is the big issue with it right now is uh, hitbox detection. When you're at your base and you're ta- using, you've got infinite ammo when you're at your base to test out guns. And then you've got this really cool target area where you can go shoot. Everything's on target. You're like, oh, okay, it really works. It works like this. Okay. It doesn't work like that. I'll point blank range with a with a over and under double barrel shotgun. Shot the guy in the face twice, and he just looked at me and then shot me a couple more times with his gun, and I fell over. <laughs> That's not how that works. That's not how it works. That's not how that works. I shot first, twice, two shells to the face, point blank range. That's frustrating, huh? It was. It was because right. I lost everything that I had on me because I forgot. I didn't realize how to unload myself. Oh, at the, uh, base, from, yeah. from the from the first place because what yeah. happens is is it's each time you go into a round you if you bring on the stuff from the last round 
you can lose that stuff. If you get killed, people can loot you. And yeah. you're trying to be, you're trying to bring stuff back to your base so you can build up and unlock different uh, different uh, tiers of upgrades and things like this so you can build upgrades for your guns and stuff that you go into game in so just this is from e3 2018 uh mm-hmm. vigor is described as a as a more hardcore take on the post-apocalyptic survival game this game is set in uh, scandavia during the alternate history of 1991 where a nuclear bomb has ravaged europe each player in vigor takes on is it vigor or vigor 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 okay takes on a role of an outlander with the objective of being being to gather resources, improving their shelter, and battle against other players in a struggling for survival. Now, as you're saying this, <clears throat> I've already read this article. This is from GameSpot. It says, each engagement vigor features 8 to 16 players, and they must complete to find loot around the map and kill other players. Despite the similarities of Battle Royale games, Bohemian stresses that vigor is a different kind of experience. The game features no kill feed and minimal HUD, and matches are capped at 20 minutes. So my question to you though is, if the matches are capped at twenty minutes and we're not talking about it being a battle royale game, what's the point of having a home base and trying to bring back material there and open up new tiers to upgrade? Does that carry over to your next match? Do you yeah, keep everything? everything carries over because you keep everything. So like if I go in, this is where the game the game is like a a, a melding of games that are either out or or in early access that do this do it better than it does, <laughs> or or are coming out that are just going to force they're going to overshadow it basically this is like if bare bones uh we kind of we kind of have some of the ideas i bet you that these guys probably crapped themselves i'm not going to say the other word but they probably crapped themselves when they saw uh fallout 76 because (laughs) oh fallout 76 you have your own base that that comes on no matter what whenever you log in you have x amount of people on the map that are only players and oh wait you're all your maps are connected oh it's all open we only have you load up like you're loading up into a match of call of duty with us and we have like eight places to go and you have a full map yeah it sounds like to me you're absolutely correct that there's going to be two different games you know a battle royale game or fallout 76 game squeezing this game in the middle of it and i mean obviously it's going to find its you know, hardcore fan base, but other than that, man, I don't, I don't think so. You don't, I don't think, think you so. don't even like, think of, I, I don't, I don't think it's going to find a hardcore fan base whatsoever because mm. it's pretty, but you got, you can get what you want in prettier games. Like it, it's doesn't, it doesn't have anything that state, like if it came out and there, and fallout 76 was a long ways away. Okay. Yeah. If, if fallout 76 was a long ways away, yeah, people would pick this up. Like, I would want. I usually pick up these these preview games and stuff like that. I'm probably not going to pick this up because I feel it's going to happen to it. Very similar to what happened to another game I'm going to talk about here pretty soon. But it just, I don't, I don't. I, it's a multiplayer game, and if you don't have the risk of someone shooting at you or c- coming up on you, it's not going to be fun because I was playing it, and like the whole thing is you want to get in and get out and go build up and have cooler guns to go in and fight people. Now, when I walked in on somebody and I actually did get a kill, it was exciting because, like, they didn't know it. But the problem other also here is when I'm walking, if I stop walking, the sound is not is not synced with you. So when I stop walking, I know it's a beta right now, but when I stop, I still hear the right afterwards. Oh, so when you're trying to, because it's proximity sound too, so when you're trying to hear if somebody's coming up on you. I'm hearing myself because mm. it's still the sound's catching up. That's terrible. Yeah. yeah. I know it's and a beta. So, I'm just saying that's really rough. But yeah. Yeah. And it, but. 
this is where they do things right is I wish that, you know, PUBG looked like this because the shrubbery, everything is so bright and vibrant. It's very, very pretty. And then where it's not pretty, it's not pretty. Like when you come up, you see blood on the ground. The blood looks real. It, it It's very, you know, it looks really good. The guns, when you're at your home base and you're not dealing with the bandwidth of the servers, your weapons and everything are, are spot on. Like they, they're really nice. Like you can get, you can get a feel for them when you go to the shooting range. Uh, it's got some crafting, the crafting stuff like that. The, the menus aren't terrible. Like they're not like really, really hard. Like PUBG when it first came out on PC, what the menus were, it was very similar to that as DayZ and DayZ was not the best for doing things. And when it came to console, it was not the best because it was hard to pick things up. Since then they've, you know, they streamlined it. Yeah, Maybe it looks like you have a weapon menu that you can kind of just cycle through your weapons or cycle through your materials. So that's not too bad. I mean, yeah, it's pretty typical. But I just, it's I'm I'm glad that I got a chance to play it in beta because I don't yeah. think I'm gonna purchase it. As much as I love the fact that when you're in the rain, you can see the droplets of water pouring down. Like I can appreciate it for what they have done. The water looks really good too, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and and like and it is fun, but. It doesn't squeeze. But it doesn't doesn't it have does that not, particular itch that you're trying to scratch from a game, where you can get it from better from other places. Yeah, it's like I would rather save my money. Yeah. With all the games that are coming out and spend it elsewhere. Second, the next thing I'm gonna go to is a battle royale of sorts. And if you may remember, before PUBG came to Xbox, Xbox put out a gaming game preview which was called the Calling, and the Calling was like this grand, this like. Over the top, you, uh, loud speaker. You, you know, you had this guy, game show host talking about the what was going. You know, doing the the narration of the match and everything. And it was a, uh, you know, you got shot down in these in these tubes, which you didn't see it shoot down. You just automatically were in the tube, and you would open up into the match, and green smoke would come in and get you to the words of center. And it was it was fun, but what happened was it really the content quit coming for it, and then they just. This is one of those titles that it never came out of preview. They just said, hey, it's done. And then they also, yeah, they put it out of preview, but we're not going to be patching anything. The game is what it is. And I paid for early access to this and everything, and I paid for some other stuff in the game. I wanted to support the company. Yeah. But they're like, yeah, we're going to move on to something else. Well, they move on to something else, and what they move on to infuriates me because what they did is they saw what PUBG was doing and everything. They're like, we're going to go that route. And so they come out with the Coling 2. You come in. Now, it's, Coling 2 is faster paced. It's more of like war mode where it's faster paced, but it's still, it's only 50 on, it, it's, it's, uh, you know, 50 one, v 50. Yeah, 50. No, it's not 50 v 50. It's just 50 people tops. Oh, everybody okay. Versus each other. What am I saying? Fifty v fifty? That would be a yeah. crazy battle royale. All right, go yeah. ahead. <laughs> well, fifty. Yeah, that's Fortnite. No, I know, but fifty v fifty. Yeah, they do fifty v fifty. They do fifty teammates versus fifty teammates. Yeah. Wow. Why am yeah, I lost I, on I this? Play, yeah, I play that all the time. That's that my sounds favorite. fun. That's my yeah. It's my favorite mode. Is fifty v fifty. It sounds like a really, that'd be awesome. Yeah. It is. So, but the the calling to nobody's buying it. It came out and like the I was looking up to it and people like even reviewers are kind of like I did. There was a couple of reviewers that I'm not going to put their names out because it's, I don't want them to get some hate sent them. But the fact is, is that because they, they did, they actually got some they were getting some hate mail, but they had stated that or hate 
tweets, but they <laughs> stated that the calling two. It's it was a cash. It's a it's a push and a cash grab on something that should have been an update to the original game to the people who actually put forth and purchased the game in early access. This is them trying to do a second cash grab at something that should have just been an update for the original game. The graphics have not been updated. The gra- you know they just expanded the game, put it into a more open environment, and copied a lot of stuff from current games that are out right now. And it's just. It seems no. like that battle royale cash grab is gonna hurt and affect a lot of developers that are trying to maybe whatever develop companies going, hey, we should take a shot at it and get into the money game right now and get and maybe stick something out there that's not quite ready. Now, the developers X Ex- Xviant, that's the, the developers of the Calling Two. They're shutting down Calling Two, like you're saying, but they're they hope to give refunds to those who have bought it. So there you go. Oh Damon. wait, they, they, oh, they're, they're shutting down the calling, or they're shutting down calling too. They're shutting down calling too, and they hope. They oh give... my god! See, I didn't. I didn't. Well, I didn't. I didn't buy calling too yet. It just showed up on the marketplace. So yeah. So this is an update from the 18th. They're shutting down the calling too, hoping to give refunds. Sorry, this is from IGN, hoping to give refunds to who's brought it. X event. I can't say their developer name is rebooting the original game as a free to play. As a result, it's a. Uh, is a botch. Uh, they're apologizing. Josh Van uh, Van Weveld is issued apologize the fans of the calling for a botched launch of the calling two last week. The decision to pull the plug in the calling two resulted from complaints over abandoning of the original game. It's decreased emphasis on melee content, uh, combat, low server population, and a ger- general poor reception. "Quote: It's been difficult for us to wrap our heads around the entire situation," said Van Veld. The calling two is not a game that you ask for. It's a, not the game that you expect. And it's a, a worthy accessory to the calling. So, so they're gonna they're gonna take it back. They're gonna rebuild it. They're gonna add it into the calling. And then pretty much, it yeah. Free to play. Uh, it's gonna be a free to play game now. Yeah. Then there's the only thing that they better do. I'm okay. Well, that makes me a little bit okay. But the developer better give something to those that actually paid for the original game that they were abandoned on. So they say they're currently in the process of contacting Valve, Sony, Microsoft, and efforts to remove the calling tube from the digital storefronts and is making sure that those who bought the game receive refunds. Damien, that's one of you. To move forward, Xeviant is returning to the day one build of the calling, which you're talking about, realizing that it's changed too much too fast about the original game. So maybe something positive on the end there. Maybe they realize the developer realized, hey, we we screwed up. Let's back off and let's put out something that they actually wanted because they put out something that the fans from the calling didn't really want. No, because the calling, the way that it gets set up, it was more of like you could actually build and construct things. Like you'd find rocks and you could build weapons. You yeah. Could melee. It was it was a very unique style to it that made it actually fun. It was very. It basically played well off of the battle royale version of arc that they had which was and and so it was very played very similar to that but it was faster paced and i really liked that but that so that that was that's interesting now the next th- thing i'm talking about in game chat and this will get us out of game chat is uh i'm talking about candle the power of the flame for switch i got a chance to review this for silver soul gaming and the NDA is up on it. It launches, by the time this comes out, it'll just launch. This game is developed by Team Teku. It's Teku Studios. <laughs> Interesting enough, Teku is the name of the main character from Candle. And 
they're it's kind of like these root based little cr- humanoid creatures. Looks the like game, he's wearing a tiki mask too. Yeah, kind of yeah, they are all the people, all the humanoids of this world wear those masks, and they're like they are all like kind of root based, kind of living things. The game's narration is amazing, but at the same time, his British accent is so calming that it will like it makes you want to just go to sleep, but not in a bad way. It's just you're happy. It just makes you happy. He makes you happy in some of the most non-happy type of environments too that's kind of a funny thing uh the game is very similar in the art style to if you ever played the game that was similar kind of like mario which was braid okay and it's that watercolor in hand everything is hand drawn hand painted and then digitized into the world there's there are six uh six developers that the two developers that originally started the the company and started working on the game, and they added in they added in uh, you know their music department and they added it, which it's funny saying department, but they I mean that's what it is. They added in they they added in all all that stuff to help them out and a couple more animators. the The game they take it on as they're like we want something that's going to be different like we realize that their method they always want to do this method where it's hand-drawn and that stuff they understand that it's going to take long time a very long time for them to produce games yeah but they are they want to produce you know if you think of things like cuphead you know look how long it took for cuphead to come out we're looking at stuff like that but this game it's hard to call it a game where it feels more like it's a like a children's like, like a more like it feels like a children's book like you're reading a children's book to someone but you're playing it and it's it's deep puzzles and then platforming that's put in it. The platforming has a weight behind it that takes a little bit to get used to because it's almost like the characters are made of like, like they're paper, like they're pinned together, paper puppets kind of. Okay. And so when you jump at something, it doesn't react the way that you would traditionally feel the weight would be in most platformers. But once you get used to it, it works the puzzles are difficult to get, but not to the point where you can't, because you have to go to like, basically you're turning a page. You go to one screen, then to another screen. And then sometimes you have to do timed events in order to get things right. And it takes a long time to get these, get these right. And you miss just one thing and it will, you will fail. The deaths are brutal. <laughs> uh, think of the games like Limbo. If you think of games like Limbo and yeah. stuff like that, this is very similar in that kind of vein, but it's, it's music. It's uh, South American tribal air air uh, uh, air instruments, and it's and drums and percussion. It just really really good. I love I love the music. It flows and well with the gameplay. Flows flows well with the game. The game is very is very much also uh, a basically a it's an kind of a it's it's like an act. It's a uh, the way the game starts off. It's very very against war against fighting it's uh it it takes an activist standpoint in that and that's part of the story that you explore is basically the gods created the world and then everything was great and then the humanoids started fighting each other and then the gods created the fire and the fire burned the entire world and then they said let's try it one more time you're at the you take the part of teku who's a flame bearer or excuse me, a light guide. One of his hands is replaced with a perpetual 
uh, candle that he can light and use to be able to guide and scare other things away that would normally attack you or also light a, use it for other puzzle play. The game, I'm, I'm, I like puzzle games. This game at points frustrated me because, not because of the gameplay, but the main thing is, is that it, I don't, it, it's going to launch on PlayStation and Xbox, but I don't see it because I'm, because of using the Pro Control, I don't see it, uh, I see it having the same issues on anything other than uh, PC. And that is that it feels like it was still set up for point and click of a mouse and and keyboard gameplay where on the controls hitting the keys and certain stuff feel a little sluggish and awkward to be able to get some of the stuff to happen and when you have to do things time in a timely manner yeah, yeah it makes that really difficult that is my only that's a disappointment major, though kind of that, right? yeah, yeah yeah so that's my that's my critique on it is that is it's the controlling is a little sluggish but the visuals the story the music the narration everything else is so great this little company in spain is doing such a a a pretty creation and if you're going on vacation you need something just to throw in it's only 14.99 so if you want something just to to you know hey i'm going on vacation i'm not going to have the internet i don't i'm not going to be playing online but i want something just to take up you know just to pop in and play if you're someone who gets frustrated, don't play it in handheld mode. You're gonna break your your switch. <laughs> but if you're someone that likes a challenge, definitely go ahead and check it out, Nick. Yeah. So what I'm looking at so far is when you're talking about these hand drawn backgrounds and the color, it's vibrant. It pops out you. Some of them are, are a little bit darker in color, so your actual main character pops a little bit more than other ones. The the background is so poppy that you kind of don't see the main character because uh, the color is so vibrant it's very beautiful i like the idea of of drawing each frame out uh, i know that's a lot of hard work but i mean god it really pays off here i mean that's just a beautiful game it's something that you talking about i'm gonna have to download and play now now just a little synopsis for the game is the story follows a sudden capture of a shaman that has fallen to the grips of the evil Wakacha tribe, and the responsibility to chase after and returning order to the village is gifted Tiku, like you're talking about. So that's the little synopsis that you start your adventure off there, but man, I'm really blown away by the artwork that is done in this game. I mean, each frame that I go through and I look at, there's just something else that just pops right out at me. It's a beautiful game, man. It is, and that's the thing about it, is that the the controls... Is this is a something where sometimes the controls that they're muddy can just sink something. But being the fact that this if this was a multiplayer combative, you know, competitive style game, that would have sunk it. But being the fact that this is something that you can learn, you can kind of teach yourself how to go go around. Yeah, that it is something, and you can you know you can remap the controls. So if you remap the controls, okay. then you can you you can if you put the time in, you can help you can help change up some of the stuff. But the fact is, is that this game, it challenged me to have to think differently than what I'm, what I've been used to. It's like back when I was younger, I played, you know, I can remember the Nintendo games and stuff like that. You'd play the games, you'd run through, you'd solve the puzzles and stuff like that. You know, that was just what we were used to playing. We've gotten so used to being hand, you know, hand fed stuff that we forget to, we forget how to puzzle play. And it's almost like the original PlayStation with the original couple Tomb Raider games where you get into a puzzle and you're like, ah, like, what am I, what am I doing here? I can't, I can't yep. figure this out. 
Uh, some of those puzzles were more extreme and difficult as you went along in the game, or even like an Uncharted game. A little bit lighter puzzles, though. It's not, not too difficult. I like the puzzle idea. I liked having to go through and solve something to, uh, per, uh, to get farther along in the game. Yeah, and so because of that, if I was to give this a score... Uh, I would give the game a seven, a seven out of ten, because everything else is great, but the, the, the controls that took it down three notches for me. Now, if you go and you look at some of the other other people's uh, reviews and stuff, their score is like typically the average score is seven point five for it. But That's if what you I'm think seeing. about that, if if you think about that, fourteen ninety nine, and this game you can get this on. Yes, it's a little more. It does four K and everything like if you get it on the Xbox One X. But I'm telling you. On the Switch, it's just as vibrant. I played this in handheld mode, and on uh, on my my uh, my 55 inch 4K TV, both ways was great. And I actually I actually did like it better on handheld mode. I feel that the handheld it was a little more uh, easier for me to solve the puzzles when I was doing handheld. Awesome, cool, man. Now getting out of this, if you know what's going on right now, it's uh it's Comic Con. San Diego Comic Con is always a big big time of the year. It's like a quasi in between for it, it, we always get some type of usually this is the DLC announcements uh, for games, and we, you know and hence hence why we are talking about why, why we did the episode uh, why, why I did the episode for Sea of Thieves was because of this very fact because on Saturday they did a uh, a panel and I'm not going to talk more about it other than the fact that yes, Freddie Prince jr. Was there and representing the community and he did an excellent job. Awesome. Freddie. Thank you. But <laughs> we're going to jump into the trailer talk with something that, that Nick, you and I really, really, really love this, but some people are kind of poo pooing on it. In fact, in yeah. fact, someone that we follow, we both follow. I know really doesn't like it. Uh, or, uh, Aaron, or, or is it Oren or Aaron? Aaron Durant. Aaron Durant, he does not like this at all. No, he <laughs> hates it. Uh, not only that, but Paul Paul posted on their Essentials uh, Facebook page, and he was calling it campy as hell, and he did not like it either. I know, but for me, I love this, and I have a theory. I kind I, of have a theory. I don't mean to stop you right now, but for everybody that hates it, it's just a trailer. I don't know how you hate this trailer, man. I really no. don't, but go ahead. But, but, but what are we talking about? What are we talking about? What trailer do we hate? <laughs> that's true. We should mention well, we, that. We don't, new... we don't hate. We don't hate. <laughs> it's a new trailer for the Titans that's going to be launched on the new DC streaming service. And this is the first look at... Uh, we knew this was coming out, and, but this is the first look that we really see at Robin and his adventure at becoming a Titan. Oh my God, the this is first off, this is very R, very very R. It seems like it, right? Yeah, because everything like the blood, everything that's going on it. This is DC dark. Like this is this this is what I first thought of when I saw this. I thought of DC. I, I thought I thought of Justice League. Wow, that's a lot of editing. I thought of Justice League dark when I saw this because yeah. I'm like, this is the tone that Justice League dark would need to be. And it just, the vulgarity and the blood and the action was good. And it wasn't over the top. And if you notice something on Robin's R, it is the exact shape of the R on the Robin suit in Batman vs. Superman. Oh, oh, was it? I That's not... one of the first thing I looked at was when, because they, they, the preview. Was it the same throws... suit? 
It's not the same suit, but okay. the R. Okay. His his Robin ring or whatever it is, yeah. when he throws it, mm-hmm. that R, if you look at it, yeah. is the same shape as the one that's on the front of his suit or the suit in Batman versus Superman. This, if they were to take this and take this character and they say that this is connected to the films, I would be down for, for this because everybody wanted to know what happened to Robin. This could give us our. You know, this could give us the cinematic universe that we want, not, you know, it, you know what we've been having. It gives us the backstory, too, because Batman looks at that suit very longingly. He looks at it for a second like he's almost sad in Batman vs. Superman. And we're talking about Ben Affleck here. Yeah. So at that whole time, we're kind of thinking, why? What is the backstory of this? And where is Robin out in this universe? And it could be just the fact that they had a falling out. It could be as simple as just like a a superhero uh, a feud. Because in this trailer, a baddie actually asks for Batman. A bad guy asks for Batman because Robin's kicking the hell out of him too much. He wants a, a he wants another hero because the other hero might pull back a little bit more. Which who pulls back more than ba- uh, I mean who hits more harder than Batman? Nobody. I mean he's the guy. He is ruthless. But in this trailer. This the baddie wants Batman, and Robin <laughs> says, uh, "I'm not going to say it, but he says F Batman." <laughs> I know. So that's just your connection there might be correct. It could be that they had a falling out, and he's finding himself now. Let me just throw this out there real quick, and this is from Jeff Johns, former DC Entertainment uh, President and Chief Executive Officer, and this is at San Diego Comic Con. He said the show, the trailer shows a piece of tone of the show. The show's not at all. That the show's not all that. That's a quote. John told Polygram, uh, Polygon, sorry. Quote, but it does make you go, why is he saying F Batman? If you look at when Robin first left Batman in the comics, there was an uneasiness and being lost. Titans really a series about these different characters that are all lost in their lives, just like the great com- the greatest comic books, Titans Run Ever by Marv uh, Wolfman and uh, George Perez. It's about all these lost characters find one another and they're all struggling with something. And Robin is clearly struggling with this past uh, with Batman. He also goes on to say, we'll all learn a lot more about it and what what that is and why he is that way. So awesome that we're getting a little bit of Batman story. I kind of fumbled his quote there, but basically he's saying that, you know, we're going to figure out why Robin and Batman has split up. They're really going to dive deep into it. And he also says this first series is really going to go into the roots of uh, Raven and Raven joining the Titans, as you see in the trailer. Yeah. What I, the things I get from that though, is Raven's a demon. Well, yeah, she's a half, she's a, she's a, she's a half demon, you know, so she's a, so this that plays right in that plays right into Justice League Dark. Yes, and Raven is dark, and she gives you that kind of horror side of the Titans group. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. I don't know, man. I watched this trailer three or four times. Same here, same here. And the fight scene, the blood on his chin, the blood on his face, him stepping on the guy's head while his head's already down. Well, they, the baddie's pretty much already out. It just was very brutal. It was gruesome, and I loved it. <laughs> Yes, I'm here. Like, I just, part of me wonders, is DC trying to go the route of more of like a Deadpool kind of, kind of route? Are they, are they taking a test on, on their, their streaming service? Hey, we're going to put this out. Or is this DC saying, hey, we're going to go more the route of Daredevil season one? 
Yeah, I don't know. It seems like they're going to go dark or uh, than Daredevil yeah. Season 1. And Daredevil Season 1, to me, was very dark, too. There was yeah, a lot of... I know. Yeah, especially the Kingpin moments. Now, you were talking about going the darker side than Daredevil uh, for Season 1 of Daredevil on Netflix. I feel like it's going to be kind of comparable to that because we saw a lot of we saw a lot of dark images and a lot of dark things in Daredevil Season 1. Now, it does say in this article... Just because it looks campy, because some of it does look a little campy, yeah, yeah. doesn't mean it's going to go to DC's answers to the CW's Riverdale. So ah. <laughs> I love that they threw he threw that out there. John said about Titans is a little more adult than Riverdale, so that's that's good for me. I'm I'm actually glad he quoted Riverdale in this. I, I like Riverdale, but yeah, I, no, I know, I but it, it's a campy show. It, it is, you it know, is. and I'm I'm glad that he's saying it's going to be a little bit more adult than Riverdale. I, I like the trailer, man. I like all. I I pretty much like the the whole thing about it. So the backlash on it, I mean, I get it, guys. But I mean, I'm I'm gonna wait for the whole thing to come out before I really put you know my opinion on the show. Yeah. Moving on from that, we get a different type of trailer. And it's for a movie, and it's for a movie that was part of a trilogy that we didn't know we didn't know was happening, nor did we know that we wanted. And I'm talking about the trailer for Glass. Yes, yes. M. Night Shyamalan. My God. I was stoked after seeing this. Yeah, so the opening scene of Glass where you have all three of them kind of in a psych ward. And it all, the nurse or maybe the psychiatrist, she almost looked a little unhinged too, which I liked. Her hair yeah. was kind of weird and it was kind of off to the side. But in the room you had... James McAvoy in the middle, Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson on each side of them. And it was just creepy as hell. It was an opening shot. Sam Sam Jackson obviously in the wheelchair. But man, what a beginning shot of that. I that kind of really pulled me into that trailer, man. Oh yeah. And then them talking about them thinking that they're superheroes and the flashbacks of like Sam Jackson looking at comic books and the different things they have done in previous M. Night Shyamalan movies to make them think that they're actual superheroes. I I mean, M. Night Shyamalan's had some really good movies and some really bad movies, but it was really cool and just in that opening sequence how he kind of tied all, all the movies together there. You know, Split, Glass, uh, Unbreakable, I mean, and then now Glass. I, I don't know. I'm really excited for this. I, I After watching Split and then knowing that he was going to make this into a trilogy, I was like, wow. Uh, he's really pulling all three of these together. And I don't know if that was his uh, his whole plan, writing split. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe he added it at the end. But it really worked for me. Yeah, and th- that was... Split was such an outstanding film to see James McAvoy's acting chops. Oh, man. Unbelievable. And you can see that they added on... Like in this, you can see where they're talk- they show different events that either are from the... Uh, James McAvoy's characters, you know, from Splits, the Beast past. Yep. Or if this was something that happened in, after the movie. Because here's the other thing is we had a theory when we saw Split that the main character, the, the, the main character, the female, we thought that she's a super. Oh. And she's in this. And it shows her a lot. So she takes a, she plays a key part in this. Hmm. And you're talking and about I don't... Uh, An- Anaya Taylor Joy, Casey Cookie, Casey mm-hmm. Cook. Sorry, eh, not Cookie. 
Yeah. So yeah, I'm, that's I'm, really weird. And actually, you know, uh, talking about James McAvoy and his IMDb, he plays Kevin Wendell Crumb, The Beast, Patricia, Dennis, Henwick, Barry, Jade, Orwell, Heinrich, and Norma. I mean, his acting chops and split, and obviously they're going to use this again in Glass because they have to. It's so brilliant. But he plays more characters in Glass because he plays he has he plays the other other ones that we didn't get a chance to see that were in the videos that they just glanced over. Yeah, I don't believe we saw Patricia and Split. No, we saw Patricia. We didn't see, Dude. but we did not see uh, we did not see uh, the Hispanic one of the one of his the Hispanic character that you see in the, the tra- okay. uh, trailer. Okay, all right. And I, one of the one of the really cool parts of this trailer is Samuel L. Jackson Glass actually asking to see the Beast. He's mm-hmm. like, "I want to meet the Beast," and James McAvoy's like, "You're lucky he likes you," or no, and that voice. You're, you're, you'll be lucky. You'll be lucky if he likes you. If he likes you, yeah. Ooh, <sighs> I'm yeah. Uh, man. And it didn't it? It didn't really highlight Bruce Willis too much. You see, it, it didn't, cut, and he didn't really talk. And I don't think he had a word in the whole trailer. He no, got, he talked. He talked a few times. Did he? Okay, so he was yeah. in the room in the psych ward. He's out in the street getting bumped by James McAvoy, whatever character he was playing at the time. And but mostly it was a really kind of the trailer surrounded James McAvoy and Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. In fact, what got me was when it highlighted the villains mm-hmm. sign in the comic book shop, and it cuts back to Samuel L. Jackson's glass, and he says, and the beast is kind of crawling up on him. He goes. Is this where the villains, te- the bad guys, team up? <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. And then you see Bruce Willis fighting, but at the same time, in the scene that you see Bruce Willis fighting, you see the the little girl from from Split, you, or the teenager from Split. You that see survived, her there. yes. And I think this is where I think I think they're the soup. I think this is going to be four. This is a two v two. I think this is going to be two villains versus two heroes. I'm okay. calling it right now. That's this is going to be two heroes versus two villains. I was curious why she was in this trailer too. You would think after the trauma that she went through during Split and being rescued and actually making it out alive, that she would get as far as possible from any one of these people. But maybe she's and Drawn. you kind of and you can see it too in Split. She was a little bit curious too on the side of of what James McAvoy was, what the Beast was, and all the characters surrounding him. Uh, especially the character that kind of roller skates and it's kind of nice, you know, he's come to get you. So I could see her curiosity, you know, kill the cat. I could see her curiosity um, bringing her towards the pain instead of away from the pain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Really good trailer in my Shyamala. I think he's going to do, I think he's going to knock this one out of the park. Uh, I'm, ho- I'm hoping so. Anyways, I'm, I'm, I have high hopes for it. Yeah. Next, we got Walking Dead season nine gives us their trailer, and I'm got I, I'm just gonna say it right now. We called this. We called the time jump. We called it. We called it. We called it. I'm also excited about this because, you know, in past trailers for a season, I wasn't all hyped about it. Like it wasn't. I didn't have this. Like oh my god. Like. I can't wait to see it. Like the last one I was hyped about was I was hyped about initially seeing the after, you know, who, you know, Glenn and all that stuff. Who Negan killed. Yeah. But then it quickly went downhill. Uh, yeah, it went downhill very, very fast. But this, this has me cautiously feeling pumped up for it. I'm optimistic. 
people listen to this and you know I'm a huge Walking Dead fan. Mm-hmm. I love the show. I love the series. The way the comic books are going right now has me extra excited. Um, I just like going in a new directions after things get stale. And Robert mm-hmm. Kirkman does a good job of going, oh, hey, look, we did all this. Now, look, we're left. We're all the way in Ohio now. And we're in Ohio. And it's like, whoa, you know. And so what the show is doing good is that they're giving the time jump that's accurate to the comic books that, you know, that that, that need this time jump. And they needed it in the comic books, too. It needed a refresher. Now, what this trailer gives you is Rick sitting down in the jail cell they built for Negan. And Negan's still alive. And the reason Negan's still alive is because Rick wants to show everybody that they're not the same as the saviors. They're not the same as Negan. We're better than them. We're going to keep him alive. And we're going to show that because he's alive, there is peace. And we're better and we're different. And we're going to change this world. That Negan being alive is a symbolism. It's a symbol. It's not, it's not for he wants to keep him alive or he wants to kill him. He definitely wants to kill him. Now, what's the frustrating thing about Season 9, the opening trailer is that Rick walks down the stairs and he sits down in the chair, is that that's Carl's spot. Carl's the one that talks to him in the in the jail cell. Carl's the one that has the dialogue with him back and forth in the comic books, and it's awesome. It's brilliant. And now I have to listen to Rick talk to him. Uh, I, I'm just frustrated by it because there's no need to kill off Carl, and if they're going to go this route, why would you kill off this storyline? This storyline of these two guys befriending each other, even though you know how much Carl wants to kill him, in the comic books, Carl tells him in the jail cell, I'm still going to kill you. I, I'm still going to kill you. Just because you're locked up doesn't mean you're not dead. He says these things to him. And so for them to take this away from me and to kill off Carl for no reason, it gave nothing to the show. It, it brought nothing to me. All it did was bring these letters out that they wanted to have the show per, uh, per, uh, propelled off these letters for the second half of the last season, season eight. And it was terrible. And now they have the jail cell with Negan and no Carl. And those those conversations between the two of them in the books, Damien, were they were awesome, man. You almost sound in this way, the way I sounded with Star Wars directed towards Disney. Yeah, I'm frustrated, man. <laughs> you you're doing a lot better job at keeping your cool though. You're not dropping the things I said. <laughs> but no, I I now that you know that See, that's the thing is now knowing that because I I have I am not that far in the comics. Like, yeah, I'm just in the and now hearing that, then that makes me not as like I'm still excited, but that that toned me down a little bit. I'll bring you back. This is why you should be excited about the Walking Dead season nine trailer, and everybody should go out and watch it. And we'll add a link to the show notes so people can take a look at it. Number one is that the show starts off in season one where the danger is zombies and the danger is survival. And now everybody can get behind that. We were talking about a game earlier, Vigor, where survival is it, even though it was against other humans, but it was a post-apocalyptic world. These things are made in video games and movies and television because people can grab a hold of this scenario because it's so far-fetched, but they kind of they kind of fascinate about the scenario. Hey, look, let me see if I'm in this. And then you get to about season four and you're in the prison and it's like, hmm. Walkers are not that scary anymore because basically everybody kind of lives and they kind of kill each other. Well, in the comic books, they don't. They die a lot more. And so then they go, okay, the antagonist anymore is not. It's not the walkers. It's the governor. Now we're fighting people on people. So now you got people on people plus the plus the walkers. So there, guys, here, here here's this. This is more scary. And you're like, yeah, you know what? You're right. 
Then they move on from the governor and they add in Negan, which is probably one of the best storylines in the comic books besides the governor. And they go, look, you got walkers plus Negan and the saviors. Look at all these saviors, guys. Now you have to fight all this stuff. So again, you're watching the show, or you're reading the comic books and you're going, you're going, yeah, man, there's, there's like all these antagonists in the world that I have to protect me and my group from. Now a season nine trailer, what do they do? You got rid of the, you got rid of the baddies. You got rid of the saviors. Negan's locked up. Yeah, we're still worried about the walkers. We saw that in the trailer. You know, they're killing walkers, but are we really worried about them anymore? As fans, are we really worried about them anymore? Now they twisted on us. They said, now you have to worry about the walkers. You have to worry about the outside presence, which they showed at the end of the trailer. New people coming in. But now you have to worry about the internal struggle. There is an internal struggle with a bigger group, with people feeling that Rick made a bad decision of keeping Negan alive. People want to run things their own way. You got Maggie. You got Daryl. There's disagreement. You see in this trailer, there's a lot of internal fighting. There's guns pointed at each other. This excites me. Now there's something else for me to grab onto, and that is who is going to backstab me inside my own group. That's something we haven't had before in The Walking Dead. And uh, I don't know. I, I thought the trailer was kind of badass. Well, this is the, the problem is knowing that Maggie's only in for six episodes. That is a giant problem for me, yes. Yeah, so when you know that, that, that uh, Laura, uh, Laura Cohen... Yeah, Laura Cohen, that she's only in it for six episodes. It makes you, it it kind of tells you a little too much because when you see the preview, you see that she, you know, at the end of season nine, she's kind of set up as she's talking to Jesus. She's kind of set up as a villain, you know, in a sense. And then seeing this, she's kind of set up as, as a villain. Yeah, and not only that, but you see Daryl struggling with the fact that he's been riding with Rick this whole time, but he kind of feels the same way Maggie does, but then he's been riding with Rick this whole time. And you actually see that in there. There's a scene at the end where he kind of throws down his bike and, mm -hmm. and Rick kind of takes one side of the road and Daryl kind of takes the other side of the road. And it's kind of like, yo, mano, mano again, which we've seen in season eight. So you see the internal struggle with Daryl inside himself about what he should actually be doing here. And uh, mm -hmm. you, you know, in the show that, he does not want Negan alive. And this is this is the the black sheep of the show because there's no reference to him. There's nothing in the comic books. I don't know which way he's going to go. That's probably why he's one of my favorite you know characters in the, the show because I don't ever know which direction he's really going to take emotionally. Mm -hmm. So there's there's that too. But yeah. I, I... Sorry, but the six episodes is just Maggie in there. That's a giant disappointment. Well, because it tells you that she's going to the route of a villain and she's going to die. Well, that or, 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 or they're going to make you feel that she's going the route of a, a villain. And then the actual villain's going to kill her. That makes you feel like she's going to die. Yes. And also Rick is, this is where we've talked about this before. Uh, Andrew Lincoln, this is his last year on the walking dead. So there's going to be some end cap here of him being, I'm thinking he's going to be like the main savior, like the OG savior guy, old man, Rick, He's going to stay in his little fortress while we watch Michonne and Daryl and everybody go go out and explore more up to Toronto or up to Hawaii, Ohio. Something like that's going to take us mm -hmm. in a different direction to season nine. Or we could see Rick and Maggie kill each other. I don't know, <laughs> but I don't see that happening. That seems really far-fetched. But it would be nice if something went left or right on the show, just like a hard right or a hard left because it's been so linear 
and he's kind of predictable at times. And in the comic books, I've I've mentioned this, we've gone over this so many times. It's not predictable. It's very oh my god, we're taking a left turn here. So I hope for a little bit more of that. Okay. Yeah, and I I think we're definitely gonna get that. The you know that's God. This is I mean we're gonna more stuff's gonna come. Uh, you know, they have stars of the walking dead. They're walking around comic-con right now. So yeah. I'm sure more over the weekend, we'll do it. Whatever we get, obviously, because this is going over the weekend, we we're just the start of it. We're on day one right now. We're just, as we're recording, we will definitely be talking more about comic-con stuff that's coming out next week, along with some other stuff that's going to be happening within games and things like that. But we want, we got to, you know, we're going long, but we, you know we gotta go. We gotta talk about a couple other things. Next up, we're gonna go in, and we we both saw a movie, and yeah, uh, I just gotta say, Marvel, you know what you're doing. You know what you're doing because we went and saw, uh, we saw Ant Man and the Wasp, and Ant Man and the Wasp. Like when you have heavy drama in movies like you know Black Panther, and then in the Avengers Four, Ant Man and the Wasp is something you don't realize you need. But when I saw this film, did it not feel to you like you're watching a separate side story of Avengers almost? Like it felt like there was so much going on that it felt like there was an ensemble cast. It felt, it felt like a fast paced comedy or, you know, funny, but action filled. Like just, I don't know, just, barrel of monkeys like it's fun it was like it was fucking connect the monkeys awesome. see how far you can go yeah i, I we were talking about this earlier about maybe a different director regard uh directing gardens galaxy and i mentioned the director for ant-man and wasp because we have this feeling of the thor ragnarok gardens of the galaxy volume one and volume two in this movie does it hit as hard no it doesn't it, it hits a little bit softer and it, the movie sticks around mm, 77 out of 10, you know, 70%, 75% across all boards of, of, you know, of, of different media that's ranking the movie. For me, it's a little bit higher because I enjoy Paul Rudd so oh, much. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. And, but this, this movie follows almost directly after Captain Marvel, uh, Captain America Civil War. Sorry. Yeah. But it also doesn't really mention Avengers Affinity War mm, at all. I mean, during the movie, it doesn't really mention it, but mm-hmm. it does show you where Paul Rudd is at, Ant-Man, uh, Scott Lang, during the whole Avengers Affinity War, and that is that he's on house arrest. And he has to stay in his house because he wants to get his life back together because he has a daughter that he cares about dearly. They mention that in Avengers that he's on house arrest. That is correct. You're you're correct. He, they, they do mention that. Sorry, yeah. So, so you are correct. So there is the tie right there. Now... On the wasp side of things, we haven't seen the wasp yet. So she mentions in the movie that if he would have asked for a sidekick, he could have got a sidekick, but he didn't ask because, you know, lover, lover core there, you know. So you don't really see. So besides the ankle bracelet and the house arrest and wasp really not being in the Marvel Universe yet, that's kind of the only really ties that we see why they were not in Avengers Infinity War until the very end of the movie, which we'll get to. <laughs> um overall for me and i know we're running long here damon I, I i'm a seven out of ten on this movie i think it's i think it's very well paced i think uh the the comedy hits i think it doesn't hit in some places and i really think my favorite character is Luis now 
Really? I I don't know why. I just gravitated toward him. I didn't like uh, I didn't like uh, uh, Lawrence Fishburne. I thought his character was I. It was a a guy for. You know, it was a guy for Pym to go against his old medical buddy, and but no, he's actually helping Ghost, who is the main antagonist in this movie, but it's really not the man the main antagonist in this movie. It's actually the federal government's the main, you know, in this movie. Ghost is just kind of this side character because you need a baddie in the movie. So that's where it didn't really hit for me is those tie-ins right there. I don't know how you felt about Ghost. I liked her character overall. But I just felt like if you're fighting the government because you're trying to get your technology back and go into and go in and try to find, you know, the wasp's mother, you know, the original wasp, uh, then that's the main story. And then you add in this other side character that kind of comes Walter in. Goggins. <laughs> it, it, what's that? You, like, Walter Goggins. You didn't even mention him. The mafia guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, I love Walton Goggins. No, but yeah. yeah. But see, that's what I'm saying is that I was just going to mention uh, Spider-Man 3 where you have, you know, Tony McGuire. You have too many villains. So, yeah, you're correct. I'm sorry about that. You have Walter Goggins, who's uh, a gangster criminal who's selling, you know, them technology. Scott uh, Pym selling them technology so they can build this hyperdrive. And then you have the government coming after them because they are all under federal. They're all, you know, have warrants for their arrest. Uh, including Lang, if he's not inside his house, which plays out funny ways. And then you have the ghost. So you have these three things coming at them at once. I just felt like it was a little bit too much. That's where it didn't hit for me. See, for me, it's an 8 out of 10. because, And this is why. And it's because they explain this stuff. And what it does is it goes in and... They add in a lot more if, you, if you're taking it and you're anal- analyzing it. You're taking it down as you're watching it. Ghost adds in because she was part of S.H.I.E.L.D. She was part of S.H.I.E.L.D. She was utilized. Yeah. This shows the dark side of S.H.I.E.L.D. Now, they don't say it, but we know that the S.H.I.E.L.D. What f- fell apart because S.H.I.E.L.D. was infiltrated. They were infil- er, infiltrated by HYDRA. And, and so HYDRA, and then they gave away that HYDRA had basically been running S.H.I.E.L.D. and has been utilizing supers for, uh, for HYDRA. It, things yeah so this go this all comes into play and i start thinking about it think about the timelines think about everything and they're talking about because they're using her they brought her up at, from a child and trained her said that they're going to fix her when they didn't have any means to fix her and they were just leading her along so they could use her as an assassin she was a tool of hydra she is essentially because people are like you know I, I was looking on twitter people are like well why did she come off as one way and then they brought her in and then in the end it's like oh she's a possible new member of the event you know they 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 made it into where she could be utilized in the next avengers film correct this is all stuff that first off i i when i hear this stuff i I like it because i'm like okay this she is you know if you like bucky barnes if you like the winter soldier if you like uh white wolf i think is what he's now is right now in the marvel summit if you like him well you know if you can like him then you can like this other character that was that was uh, brought into she she ghost is the ghost is the the Winter Soldier to Ant Man and the Wasp, and I agree with you. And actually, I didn't look at it that that side that montage of showing her working for Shield and doing things that she didn't quite want to do anymore. 
And plus, she's losing control of her powers, and she needs some way to get herself to uh, phase into one thing and stop phasing all over the place. I did like that backstory. Now, I, I'm not saying I didn't like her character or Walter Goggins. I love Walter Goggins and anything mm-hmm. uh, as playing Sonny Birch, or the or the uh, or uh, Randall Park playing Jimmy Woo, who is the FBI agent. Oh my God! Yeah. But then you have three different things coming at your heroes three different ways. And sometimes to me, it just feels like it's a little bit too much, as I mentioned, Spider-Man 3, and kind of takes away from the overall story of that they were trying to save uh, Janet Van Dyne, Wasp, the original Wasp, Michelle Pfeiffer, and that was that was like an eternal struggle. You could have had FBI, you could have had the ghost. I don't know. Just to me, you could have taken out one thing and and added in more comedy and took it... Uh, I Don't take away Walter Goggins. I thought he was great. But some of the guys that he was throwing at them was so they could have these cool fight scenes where, you know, they shrink down the van, they blow it back up, mm-hmm. they throw the Prez dispenser at them. All great stuff for kids, and and, and I loved it too. Not, but my kids really loved it. Uh, I loved it too. But it just it seemed like all these directions were coming at them, and they were just jumping around trying to figure out which one to stop now so they could get their their laboratory back up so they can get back in back in and try to save, you know, the original wasp. That's all. I mean, Dr. Bill Foster as Lawrence Fishburne, he was the giant. He used to be a superhero with Hank Pym back in the day. I really was excited when they talked about him adding in. And then his character was, it was okay. It was just for me. When he came off as a, as a a quasi bad guy in it, that actually took me back for a second. And I was a surprise. Yeah. So I, I enjoyed that part. What I liked about this film is that they, as from a nostalgia point, it's like I felt like almost like this was Disney saying, "Hey, you know, we don't have Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, but hey, we got Ant Man," and they put in the they put in the fun that was that film. When I remember, oh, yeah, I I remember yeah, seeing that, yeah. you know, and they put in the fun into this, and so it was fun for adults and for kids, and I felt like this is what this was a perfect paced film for. Take, coming about off of two very drama-driven films that yeah. were excellent, this was to give us that fun. This was, hey, we don't got Guardians of the Galaxy for you, but we're going to give you this. And it works. And so for that, and the connections and everything, I do understand there was a lot being thrown around. It was it reminds me of the meme of the girl with all the hot dogs being tossed at her face. Uh, <laughs> it kind of reminds me of that a little bit. So I do get you. I do get what you're saying there. But I felt that they... They did something with this that most most uh, movies they don't do is that they were actually able to tie it all up. They did, and I, I will agree with you there. They it was tied up into a nice little bow at the end. Uh, one thing though, did you like? And and this is actually uh, just a Marvel based question because most Marvel movies don't do this. I, I like the fact in this movie that we have, and in the original Ant Man, we had Hank Pym too. We have Hank Pym, Bill Foster, Janet Van Dyne, the original Wasp. We have all these old characters that are tying in the original storylines from the original comic books into this new age, you know, movie from you know 2018. I think it. I think Ant Man does the best thing of tying in these old characters with the new characters. You I do. I, mean? I, I do feel that that is a really good and really good direction. And I feel like. I almost feel like Ant-Man, like they're trying to push Ant-Man to be more of a glue to the next iteration of films. 
that are going to be coming out. And I feel like he really could do it. Yeah, I mean, he could do it, yeah. Uh, just one side note, Michael Pena, I love him in a lot of things. He has oh, a my new God, Nef- yes. He has a new Netflix series that's out that I, we need to watch, too. But him as Luis in the first movie was good. This one, it just took it up a notch. And it the only did. reason I say I love Luis so much is because I love Michael Pena so much. So, so do I. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's end of watch is one of my favorite so favorite good, all-time films. I'm with you on that. It's and so it good. And it shows his ability to he he does excellent comedy. Yeah. And he can he can flip a switch and do excellent drama. Him with Walter Goggins with the true serum. Oh my god. That well that part had I everybody stop dying laughing. in the theater. And that went on for a long time. It you did. Know? And even into the end of the film. Yeah, but it was funny the whole time. So it that's kind of what I was like holding on to there. Now Let's talk about the end credit scene, huh? Yeah, the end credit scene. We we the, another thing we called it. This is something we called. We like okay. We did talk about this. We, yeah. We're like when we saw Avengers, we're like okay, this movie. We're we're trying to figure out how they're going to attach these movies up. I feel like this also tells us how we're going to see uh, how what's going to happen with the new Spider-Man film. Like I think the new Spider-Man film is going to take place before Avengers. I think that would make uh, that that have to. And then sense, and then right? at the end, he's going to be on the bus. And he's going to, and that's where it's going to be. It's going to end when he's on the bus at the start of Avengers. Like an Infinity end credit War. scene? Or yeah. you think it would be the end of the movie? I think it'll be the end of the movie. Ooh, and okay. then I think I think the end credit scene, I think we actually might get some type of jump forward and a connection to uh, Captain Marvel. Ooh, that'd be that's, nice. I that, like that's, that call. I like yeah, that call. That's, that's what I think is going to happen with I that. I haven't really thought about it, but that, that intrigues me right there. But the end credit scene of this the only thing that bothers me about it, okay? So what happens is at the end credit scene of this, guys, he goes in to get some pim particles, or to get not pim particles, but to get some particles from the it from the inside of the 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 inner universe, basically quantum inner realm. expanse, quantum realm, to be able to finish healing uh, their ghost. their ghost. Now this which, tells which me which ties co- in the point. Sorry, which ties in the point that she could be an ally. That's that's the thing. Is it ties into the point of that she could be an ally, but if she's not fully healed, if she's fully healed, will she still have the powers when she's in the suit? But if she's not fully healed, her ability, if she's able to, you know, you know she's not fully healed and she's in Avengers, the end game, her ability would really, really strike home to be able to help with the fight against Thanos. And her and her and her whole background is just kind of like a pain and struggle from what happened to her as a child when she tried to save her father, and then the fact that Shield had taken her and using her as a weapon. So her being an ally to the Avengers is a big possibility. She doesn't really because, have anything against them. No, and I could see her totally going up with Nebula. I could see her teaming with Nebula because they have a similar background. I could see those two cool, being like point. being yeah. a team team members to go off. Yeah. Now. But he, what happens is, is they have, we have the original Wasp, we have Hank Pym, and we have, uh, and, and we have Hope, current Hope. Wasp, Hope. Yeah. And they, they fade into dust while Ant-Man is in the quantum realm trying to collect particles for a ghost. So he is in, in communication with the three of them. And then they count down five, four, three, two, one. They're going to pull him back out of it because it's a quick little trip down there. And just to mention, 
going to the quantum realm, actually in the movie, Hank Pym went to the quantum realm and he had to use this big spaceship to fly down there. When they shrunk everything down, Ant-Man was able to do it just in a suit. Just a little side note there. It's a little weird to me that he was able to do the suit. But Hank Pym was also able to walk around in his suit too. Yeah. So maybe I'm looking too much into it, but I thought it was something tied well, in Well, they there. also tied in the fact that when you're in it for a certain amount of time, you start to gain power. Like you start to absorb and evolve. And we see that in Janet Van Dyne. Yeah. And so my first instinct with this is that because... My first instinct is that because he's in there, he's Ant-Man's not going to be a big part of uh, the next Avengers movie because they're yeah. just going to pull. They'll pull him out. At, they'll find a way to pull him out at some point at the end, and he'll come in to fight. But I think he's going to play a pivotal part, and this is where I think he's going to play the pivotal part. Is I think that he is going to evolve, and I don't think he's going to need the suit. I think they might go a route where he evolves from the stuff because everybody evolves differently he might basically kind of mutate to where he doesn't necessarily need the suit in order to control his going big or going small. That, that's a that's that's a good point. Uh, the only thing I have to think about that is that the original Wasp Janet, she was in there for 30 years, and she didn't evolve too much. She was able to use the quantum through her fingertips to try to help uh, heal the pain from Ghost. So she didn't really evolve that much, but Scott Lang's power is the suit, you know. But the other thing is is she had old tech. Scott Lang has new tech. You're, that's and a good if point. there's and something within the new tech could amplify No, you're right. That's a good could point. Could amplify yeah. the ser- you know cuz the, they talk about how much the, the stuff has has changed over the time. And the suit malfunctioned throughout the movie and Hope kept on having to fix it to save Scott's butt basically. Yeah. So that's a good point. They emphasize that several times throughout the movie. I think this is what's going to happen for me in Avengers 4 is that Lawrence Fishburne, Dr. Bill Foster, is going to look for them or know their location or knew that they were trying to get this quantum stuff to help Ava because that's who basically Dr. Bill Foster is trying to help ghost Ava throughout the whole movie. He's kind of he feels bad for the father figure. Yeah. So I think that he's going to discover that uh, Scott is still down there and pull him back out. And it could be as simple as that to me. If that's the case, I didn't even think about it. If that's the case, then he could be he could be out in the very beginning. Like he could be out. And that's be what I'm thinking. The and then we can add him to Avengers Four because uh, they we don't really have a lot use, of heroes right now. They could yeah. really use as a giant size against Thanos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they could. So that's kind of tying up Ant Man and Forrest. But what you know? So so you rated it at a seven, seven? out of ten for me. Yeah, and for me, it's an eight out of ten because of just like I. I felt like I was a kid again watching Honey, I Shrunk the Kids with a Marvel spin on it. And it was so, so good to me. And my kids loved it. And it just, I left the theater. We left the theater talking about it and theories of how this was going to affect the next Avengers. And I'm excited for the direction it's going to go. And I really do think that that Paul Rudd's Atman could be a, a glue between the different films and stuff like that because he's just such a he's a spider-man like character that is very likable that you can put into other other films and he can be that connection point yeah i don't disagree with you i think he can be a giant glue factor kind of like a spider-man like you're saying i I like it i I like your idea a lot about avengers 4 i really hope that plays out that way and then next up we're just the last thing that we're gonna we're gonna close with tonight was something that nobody saw coming. Nobody saw coming. I didn't see it coming. And no, and like I'm I loved 
Star Wars, The Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. We got what was the lot called the lost episodes when it came to Netflix and stuff like that. When it came out on DVD, we got the extra episodes and we thought it was done because then it went on. It moved from that storyline. It moved into Rebels, which are connected. Well, Disney, maybe, maybe you're, you know, if this is like you trying to give me flowers and stuff like that to tell me you're sorry, I accept. Box of chocolates. I, I, Forgive I'll, me, I'll honey. Take the chocolates. Forgive me, honey, yeah. for Solo. I, I I accept this. Clone Wars saved is the hashtag that's going around everything. Yeah. We were announced today that Clone Wars is back. It's coming back with a new season, and it sounds like it's just going to continue. It's going to continue on. The only problem I have, I have two problems. I have two problems with this. Uh, one's not really a problem, but it's just a, a critique. But the problem I have is that we know the clone troopers who survived and appeared in rebels. So we know, we don't know right off the bat, the clone troopers that will not die until rebels. (laughs) Um, And so that part, that's kind of like, Oh, you're going to get in some tense situations. We're going to, we're not, we're going to find out when some of the troops that we, that didn't make it to rebels passed away, but we're going to see a lot more of this. And, you know, anytime I get to hear Sam Witwer voice, uh, a, a character i'm excited and he is in the voice of the emperor of emperor palpatine as well as uh darth maul and i'm hoping that we're gonna get more darth maul i hope so too he's one of my favorite uh baddies from uh star wars now but the fact that this is saved is oh i was just gonna say and this is kind of outside. I, I'm happy that Star Wars Clone Wars is safe. It ran from 2008 to 2013 on comedy, uh, Cartoon Network, which is amazing. But this is the part that really worries me is that it's going to be ran on Disney's streaming service. Now, I say that worries me because of my pocketbook. We just talked about the Titans yeah. running on DC streaming services, which is going to be $7.99 a month. Disney hasn't came out with their price point yet. We know eventually all the Marvel movies are going to leave Netflix and be on Disney streaming service. How many streaming services do I need to get all my content now? Well, this is what you're going to have to happen. You're going to have to create a co-op, and we're just going to be like, okay, we need <laughs> we need to do the four screen the four screen service plan, so that you know you can have two yeah. screens, I can have yeah. two screens, and we'll just we'll just do it that way. And like, hey, I, I don't know, I'm just visiting down here, watching every day. We'll just off. <laughs> we'll put it on offer up. Who has Disney? I got I got DC. <laughs> I, that's the only but, thing I was worried about when they announced yeah. it on Disney streaming service. Like, oh man, I want to watch this, but I don't. It, it's all on Netflix right now. I just wish they would just. I wish Netflix would just be bought by Disney and just get it over with for me. <laughs> you know. Uh, you know, I wouldn't put it. I I wouldn't put it with Di- Disney purchasing Fox. Next week we're going to talk on something that Disney had a play on with uh, the mo- the next movie Predator. Hmm. Some interesting things got done uh, were done during reshoots. But my last thing I wanted to say on the Clone Wars was what the hell happened to Anakin's face? This is a little bit of a continue, uh, uh, a continuity issue I have because I'm not sure if they're trying to go back to the old school, like, you know, to catch Darth Vader's age up to how he looks at the end of, of, you know, when he meets his demise or, you know, cause I'm trying to figure out because Anakin in the, in the movies in part three, he did not look that old. And this is before that. So yeah. I'm just, he looks actually older than his master. He looks, or he's not a master, he doesn't, it's not his master in the film, but he looks older than Obi-Wan. 
and the and the trailer, he absolutely looks older, man. Yeah, and so like that was my only critique. But you know what I'm hoping for that you know what I'm hoping for actually, and I and Chris, you know, uh, even brought this up, is that you know there's a lot of people that are hoping because they brought bring back Ahsoka, and Ahsoka is a huge fan favorite. I mean, she's a huge fan favorite from Rebels so much so that we there's people that you know, and I've even mentioned it. I would mind seeing Ahsoka show up in the films. And in the next trilogy, I would love to see that. I would okay. love to see. So I'm hoping that with her showing up there, that we're going to get the, her trials. We're going to see what went on with her. And we're going to see what led up to when she went into hiding before she came out of hiding in Rebels. That'd be interesting. Yeah. The, you can do a whole season on that. There's a bunch of different storylines they can go out to after on this. Plus, they say they're going to do 12 new episodes. So that's a lot. Uh, I don't know if that's a lot for you, but I think twelve would be a good way to start this off and see which direction they really, they really want to take this into. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a good start. Um, but Disney, don't mess this up. This if you did a Clone Wars hashtag save Clone Clone Wars saved or save Clone Wars, and then it's Clone Wars saved and you screw it up. Ugh. That'd be a yeah. big backslide. <laughs> you know, people would be exactly. pissed. That, yeah. That's exactly. Yeah. But for that right now, we are, that, that brings us to the end of the episode. Uh, we're going to, like I said, we may even pop up and do another episode. If the information from Comic-Con is so like just flowing, we might just pop up and do an earlier episode based on Emergency that. Emergency podcast. You, yeah. So you'll see, you know, we've done it in the past, you know, like I said, so you're getting two episodes this week to make up for the one that we missed when I was babysitting 15 teenagers at an NF and Logic concert. But I will talk more about the concert next week because I didn't get a chance to do it this week because we had just so much to talk about. And the other thing next week, you'll be hearing my take on No Man's Sky next on Xbox. I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to go in, dive into it. I'm going to play out my Ice Pirate, you know, from uh, the movie. I'm going to be that. I'm original No Man's Sky pre-order victim from playstation but with all the new updates it's actually a pretty incredible game yeah so i'm looking forward to trying it out in true 4k on the xbox xbox one thank you nick for uh for you know beta testing it for me yeah (laughs) i actually not one that complained but we'll get into that next week i got i got a lot written down about uh, no man's guy all righty so where you can find us. You can find us on Twitter at Geekologist Radio minus the T for character restrictions. You can find us on Discord. You will be able to find us as soon as we get this figured out. On We were very close tonight. We were very close. We were on Facebook. We had Nick's pretty face on there. We didn't have his audio. So we are very, very close to that, guys. And uh, we're going to have to figure out Mixer. I have to call him up or call up somebody with uh, customer service on that one. because Maybe we swap it around and I try it from my side. Yeah, we might have to try that and figure it out. It's, I, I, it, it's got to be on my. It's got to be on my side at this point, is what I'm thinking. But we we will get stuff going up on Mixer eventually. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, check us out, our friends over at NinjaPancake.com. Many many different podcasts over there, guys. All of them are entertaining. Check they, out the division. It, it, the division podcast is putting up a lot of new content, man. It is, and I'm just saying, guys. Division two is going to be great, man. I can't wait. I can't wait. And I actually may be going to visit the locations that division two takes place in here sooner than later. So 
I'm going to take op. pictures and then find them in game. <laughs> Nick, where can we find you? You can find me at Nick and PDX, all one word on Twitter. And in the Discord, you can find him there too. We will respond. Guys, we respond constantly on Facebook. Find us on Facebook, of course, Geekologist Radio. You can find me on Twitter at Mr. Damian Nash, all one word. And with that, guys, this episode comes to a close.